I didn't feel like that after I finished uni, I've got to say. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm in a very small majority of, 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 of lethargic towards <laughs> towards it, you know. I'm not trying well, to, I'm not trying to yeah, I'm not trying to belittle everybody who's like, you know, I'm not trying to take it away from people who know it's a big achievement and love it, but I'm just like, yeah, that's on to the next one, baby. Much like much like this podcast anyway. Uh, welcome Ooh. back. Oh boy. The Downtown <laughs> Critics of Town. The James Bond series <laughs> penultimate, almost penultimate. Yeah, pen, pen penultimate. What's the? What's the? It's well, I would say it's current. At least in Australia, it's the current penultimate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about to be usurped by Spectre as the penultimate. Holy <laughs> fuck, bud! We're so close. I, I was saying so before, close. there's a tension in my body that is just built up and will not release until November 11th. It's close. It's... Ten more sleeps. Ten, ten more, more sleeps. sleeps. I can't believe it's nearly here. Like, it's actually happening. You see that you have the you have the, the pleasure of seeing the visual. You see this grin that is automatically, <laughs> like, just thinking about James Bond. This is plastered on my face. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm but, so excited. I'm so excited to go see it. Like, I... I'm just... I know. Yeah, I'm so excited. We, we, we've had many an episode. We've had many a stop start in this country of being able to go to cinemas as a result of the pandemic. And this will be very much, this will be the first time I've been to a theater in a, in a long while, in a, in a, in a long while, not since I think a three month, two month. I saw Shang-Chi just as it came out. And, and I haven't been able to go since because I have yet to be double vaccinated. Tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow's the day I join the stat and get my second vax. And then you know I'll be what I, to- you know, yeah, you know what I was, I, I completely forgot that it was actually out in the cinemas. How long has it been out? Uh, Shang-Chi? Now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, about September, it. yeah. I should have gone seen it. But you know what I was driving past yesterday when I was driving through home from a job or something, what I was like, I saw a poster of for the Eternals and it just oh, occurred yeah. to me, like I've seen all the trailers and shit. I was yeah. like, yeah, cool. But then I just had this thought, I was like, I, this will be like one of the first, this is a, this is a time that I will rock up to a Marvel film, mm. not really knowing much about anything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That must be interesting. Cause that's happened to me a, a few times, not being a, a comic book Andy. I can think yeah. of like the handful of times, like I didn't know what an Ant-Man was. I didn't know what a, I don't know who the, who the guardians of the galaxy were. Well, here's the thing. Even if you just take it what it says on the tin, mm. to quote a, a New Zealand, yeah, a New Zealand, um, take it at tin expression, value. Take it at yeah. Oh, I don't. Is that one anyway? I don't know. It is now. It, it does. Look, the Australian way is the Australian slang is. Mm. It, it, it does what it says on the box. But yeah, I think the tin, the tin, it does what it says on the tin. Yeah. That's what yeah. a friend of mine said. Anyway, Ant Man. I mean, I mean, clearly he's a man who can be small. Yeah. That yep. tells me something about the premise of the film. Yep. And the Guardians of the Galaxy, they same guard thing. I mean, the galaxy. They, they guard. There is a galaxy that is guarded. Hence so forth. true. Henceforth in the next two installments of this. Mm. And I mean, I guess you could partially say that I guess, well, okay, what's this going to be about? Well, it's about some uh, gods. People who are eternal. Yeah. <laughs> so but I don't knowledge. know what they do. Like they're not, we, it doesn't suggest that they're <laughs> no. guarding anything. And to that metric, you you know, <laughs> and hard it doesn't to know tell what me sh- how big they are. I yeah, don't know. exactly. Are, are they, they are they big? 
Are they human? Are they, are they not? Guardian, are they guardian eternal ants? Who knows? Are they are they legends of multiple rings? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But you know what it does say on the box? Will they form a suicide squad by the that, end of the movie? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Are they some kind of Justice League? But you know what does say on the point, box? We're just saying it at this point. We're not even fucking trying. I know. We're phoning it in. Hey, this you know is what? Bad. You know what it says on one of the greatest <laughs> boxes of all time? Skyfall. <laughs> and oh boy, is there a Skyfall? Does, does the Skyfall in this film? Let Fresh. it fall, if you will. To quote Adele. <laughs> dance hall queen Adele. Dance hall queen. Is she a dance hall? Dance no, queen? there was a photo. There was a photo of her attending a dance hall festival in full Jamaican garb, and she, you know, is continuing to be the the, the wisest woman imaginable. But wow, let's not let's not get stuck into that. Let's get stuck Ooh. into the twenty third James Bond adventure. We oh finally, boy, I feel I do feel like it is one of. You know, it's become one of my favorite moments in in this franchise. Yeah, with the cold open that this film has. Yeah, and the uh, the static the static shallow shot. Yeah. Daddy Deacons is doing it. Yeah. He's doing it to us. Let's 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 get it right out of the way. First of all, as you know, in this show and our ethos in general, we have nothing but the utmost praise for Daddy Deacons and his iconic work they say every frame is a painting but that feels like an understatement compared to the art of roger deakins well the the thing that i actually like about deakins and we're gonna go if you, if you don't want to hear us just guffaw is that the right word fawn fawn over yep. deakins for the next yep. 30 minutes um then tune into some other yep. film podcast because yep. ladies and gentlemen you are you are talking to the the the, t- the ticket holders of yep. the <laughs> down down Deacons fan club. Yep. So I ordered his book actually. I, the, oh, fantastic! He, his yeah, photog- his new photography still, book. Well, yeah, but it's, it's you know it's not it's nothing like wild. It's just like his. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought no, it's a, nice it's a, it's a photography book. It's a it's, um, it's a whole bunch of nice images. But I'm he, thinking about the, buying it for Christmas. One thing that I like, I think the thing I like about him, and I've been listening to their podcast, James, mm. his wife, and collaborator. Yep. Team Deacons. Um, Team Deacons. They do this podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, we've plugged it on this show before. Totally. And it's free. cool. The thing that I, I the thing that I like uh about them and their philosophy mm. is that they always talk about servicing the film. So yeah. what how does this service the film? Yeah. And yes, the thing the thing that I think people can get get very carried away with including us is going oh Deacons, every frame's a painting but it's yep. not it's not though like okay that's hyperbole just to just in case you didn't realize yeah but but i <laughs> yeah i certainly <laughs> didn't mean it i i i i was doing that genuinely i was i know no but the, but the, but that's the thing is that there are i'm glad one of us can be sensible on the show yeah when it services this film it it is painting like and then there are also, like any film, there's plenty of just serviceable shots that need to achieve mm. some outcome. But mm. everything just seems to be everything just seems to run well with this film. The yeah. way it's shot, the way it's cut, the way yeah. the story, the way it's yeah. edited together. I just said that the way it's cut. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the we stars really are all wanna, aligned perfectly. Everything aligns. On and what I'm interested in is why, how, how. 
and you you probably have a, a better insight to, than me as to how the stars specifically like why did it take this long or yeah. what are the reasons behind this specific film having its stars aligned yeah dominic fitzgerald take it away look uh, to preface this i and and to preface my earlier comment about roger deakins i have a very hard time saying super impartial on this because this film and this moment in history really is the is the inception of my career as a filmmaker this is the first time i've ever welly and truly been obsessed with a film and what film can do as a medium uh, so uh, it is i do i find it very hard to talk impartially about this film sometimes sometimes <laughs> and the the inception of it in terms of bond history is look after 2008 after quantum we're in a good state made a lot of money but uh, there was a mod lawsuit that happened in the beginning of that time i i forget the distance but we Spent a lot of the interim time working on other Bond projects. Famously, a whole bunch of Bond video games came out between this period. Um, a lot of prepping for the 50th anniversary, which was coming in, in 2010. And I think that extra time was taken, obviously, to work on the story because we're at an interesting impasse at this time. And an impasse that we very much spent a lot of time over this show talking about the the ripple effects of to today. The fact that Bond really is... Uh, an icon of of cinema but there are some icons that that don't have longevity and while we know and we've spent plenty of time talking about the elements of bond that do not hold up and that should not be continued um there aren't uh, there there wasn't a lot of emphasis put on the elements worth celebrating and i think that was the goal here with skyfall to really cement Bond's status as a cultural icon and a continuing cultural icon at that. And so there's a lot of that meta-narrative within the film, in in the writing. Is Bond still, can Bond still be relevant? Can Bond still be in full effect? And so I think when you have a controlling idea like that, there's a concept in film called the controlling idea where uh, every decision you make in a story should come back to this one thing, the controlling idea. Yeah. And if the controlling idea, well, not if, the controlling idea of Skyfall is, is Bond still relevant? And it really seems like more than any other film. I would also, and, and, and that, you know, and that has many faces coming yeah. across as, yeah. is MI6 still relevant? Yeah. Is intelligence yeah. relevant? Is yeah. spies, are spies relevant? Yeah. Is James Bond relevant? Yeah. All of it. Every single element in this film, more so than literally also, any other. Also, film. I'd argue, are spy movies relevant? Yeah, <laughs> all of that <laughs> has been brought to the forefront in every aspect, more so than any of the previous twenty-two films. Everybody keeps this question in mind and answers it so beautifully. Everybody, the art design, the performances, the writing the cinematography, the director. Sam Mendes was brought on at this point, A, because he, he, he works well. He's, he's worked with Daniel before. They're, they're, they're mates, apparently. He tells a story about when Dan was first getting cast in Casino Era, where he was like, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm auditioning for James Bond, or they've offered me James Bond. You know, what do you think? And Sam Mendes said, don't do it. <laughs> Can't see you doing it. No idea why. Maybe he's a blonde... 
Maybe he's a blonde bonder, canonically. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. But <laughs> you heard it here first. But Sam Mendes is someone <laughs> who has worked in theater, who has worked in film, films that are, you know, very artistically resonant. Stuff like American Beauty, which we've loosely talked about, uh, Road to Perdition at this point. Not somebody who's who's handled a lot of large scale sort of action stuff, but obviously Barbara and uh, holy, I can't Michael believe G. I got Wilson. this late into the game and brain farted <laughs> on Michael's name. I'm so sorry, Barbara and <laughs> sorry. My, I'm so sorry to the Broccoli family dynasty. Barbara and Michael really did know that this is this has got to be a character film. We can help him develop the action, and so. With that ethos going forward, it is so clear throughout every section of the film that it is character servicing action than action servicing character. And it's super necessary at this point and works so well. You agree? I totally agree. And I think that that might be something that we can bring up again next week. Yeah. (laughs) When... I'm doing the thing again where we talk about not the film. Yeah. <laughs> but the but I totally agree. And I we'll think that that's why yeah. that's why this is one of those ones where you go, hey, you know, person on the yeah. street, watch this. Yeah. Um the ideas that I wanted to bring up in this. Uh let me Yeah. He's uh, Morgan to pull the curtain back a little <laughs> has planned a, has said to me behind closed doors, I don't want to lyrically wax on Skyfall, as much as we have in previous episodes, he wants to he wants to shoot his shot. So he's lining up his shot. ducks right now. He's written his list of topics, and I'm so proud of him. So I want to start with the way this actually this film opens. Yes, and the arguable the 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 arguable line in this film. Well, not arguable, like it is. It's yeah. the line in this film that M is a, not an antagonist, but M. M is up against the wall. Yeah. And well and truly. Absolutely. From from you know saying it's okay to potentially kill James Bond. Yeah. Uh to being taken taken in front of the, you know, Senate estimates or whatever the fuck it is, the hearing. Yeah. yeah. Uh and then being chased. This is actually so this film is to be act, you know, to be fair, this film is as much about M as it is about yeah. Bond. This is the um, most that they've ever truly, the characters of Bond and M have ever truly clashed heads. Like yes. there's been incidences in License to Kill where Bond's been given orders and Bond's off pursuing to do the right thing, but ultimately M lets it go because, you know, to quote to quote Judy Dench in Quantum of Solace, I don't give a shit, he's my agent and I trust him. Yeah. But this is really the time where they're at odds because M feels all the pressure from the government, from uh, Ray Fiennes, Mallory, uh, really, they, they know. And again, the question of is all of this relevant is hanging over everybody. M's trying to be like, what's the right course of action? I know it's relevant, but what's the best course of action to achieve this? The and that th- sort of thing- puts her directly at odds with Bond. Yeah, and not only... And she and the, and the reason that she's up against the wall, and which is this wonderful three pronged thing, is that Silver is there. Yeah, and I mean he's causing some of those issues that that she is 
up against the wall because of. But you know, it's it's explained that this is just the latest in a. This is just yeah. the latest. This is this is the straw that broke the camera's yeah. back. This is not uh, you know it's growing sentiment that these things that we have government oversight and we, do, we let you do what you want and all these things. And so I feel that the, those themes just come across so strongly yeah. that we're not we're not being put we're not being needlessly put through set pieces that don't matter. No, never. And and that's why, like other good films that we've discussed on this show, yeah. The, the the film never feels like we're we're not laboriously sitting everything everything sits in its the, the, the time that it needs to take and yep. it goes from set piece to set piece to to, to set piece yep. much like i don't know the dark knight or something like yep. that something goes from like plot, point plot point to plot point to plot point all in a, in, a, in a sequential line yeah nothing takes too long and no, nothing overstays its welcome yeah, uh, and nothing, and 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 nothing leaves you go leaves you wondering what's going yeah. on. It's it's um, one of those times where a Bond movie doesn't have that doesn't have a mystery plot to it. There's a little bit of intrigue, but it's never like uh, some of the Bond movies get wrapped up in trying to figure out you know dastardly plots that are unfolding, and I think they waste a lot of time doing that at some points. Because someone's always got to have a fucking monologue at the end of it, exactly. explaining exactly their motivation. Exactly. Whereas when Silver is introduced, yeah, has a he monologue in the middle. Basically, tells us exactly what his thing is. Yeah, and then then he does it. Then he does his yeah. thing, and yeah. his thing is he just wants to kill him God, and that, some other that, people. Yeah, that monologue in the middle is 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 welly and truly the greatest, I think, monologue. In, in the entire Bond. franchise history is the greatest villain monologue full stop because it is not even like like the joke you sly dog you got me monologuing comes from a place of like the when it, when a villain has the confidence to just run their entire plot line has like the entire evil plan out in front out of pure confidence of this can't go wrong yes but and you're not gonna yeah the strength of Raoul Silver as a villain is the fact that he is another James Bond. He is an agent who was very good at his job. One might even say the best, but started acting out of the brief, just like James Bond is known to do from time to time, and it led him down a path to creating his own... He wants his own agency. He wants the choice to do his own missions, to do his own tasks for his own personal benefit. Something that James Bond doesn't because he has this 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 love of country and this love of service that is just ingrained into him. And so when you confront those two, when that monologue takes place, it's entirely a monologue that is like, like it's all about the two rats. Hmm. And the, 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 you can't change the, you can't, I don't know, what's the wording? You can't change, something about changing the nature of the rat. Cause he talks about sticking all the rats in the, in the barrel. And when there's only the rats eventually eat each other. And then at that yeah. time you release the two rats, except now they don't eat coconut. They only eat rat. Mm. And that's a theme that carries on and has a payoff in the end of the film. But mm. there, it really is this fascinating dichotomy of a bond villain where we've said, you know, villains sort of uh, good villains sometimes are James Bond in and of themselves. They represent the same ideas just from the other side of the coin. But this is the real, it's scary because it's so close to him. Mm. It really is like. Because uh, it's what he could have been. Yeah. You know, clear, if James, and it's clearly explained. Yeah. You know, if she, James Bond. She decided that that was, 
that was enough and yeah. so she sold him out. Yeah. If James Bond wasn't individually forced against this person, you'd almost be sort of more concerned that James Bond, like James Bond has been presented with this counterpoint of a person at a very pivotal moment in his life where he could have just given up, could have gotten out of the game. He's come back for a reason he doesn't even entirely understand and is presented with this, this force that is the opposite version of him. And through combating this force and, and realigning his relationship to the government, to his job, to his friends and allies who are very much introduced here at another pivotal point in time. Daniel Craig's Bond gets his gang introduced now because they need to be to ground him back to the gang. Jesus H Christ. The more I talk about it, the more I just, I fall in love with it over again. Yeah. And the other, the other thing that is on this list is, where every everything in this film seems to go down to reducing things to their most simple elements. Even even the fact that Q gives him a gun and a radio, and they literally say it, that's it, and then Not that exactly becomes the, is it. Then, then that becomes the plot point. Yeah. Is in itself a meta commentary on yeah. the fact that this film is just saying, okay. We need some compelling things, yeah. and we strip it down to its yeah. essentials, and here it is. Yeah. And the 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 reason the reason that I think this pays off in the end mm. is because that this that Silver's goal, like you said, it's yeah. not this massive thing. It it really just comes down to I want to kill M, and James Bond is in the way, and he's chosen yeah. that side. So here we are. Yeah. So it's just this total personal story about loss and revenge and. Yeah. it's it's so beautiful because the gun and the radio represent such a confidence on behalf of the the creative team of the film right they're they're, they're acknowledging that like gadgets are part of james bond not because they are necessary but because they are cool and add to the style it's it's that extended meta commentary on james bond is going to prove he can get it done with a gun and a radio not exactly christmas is it no, but he's he gets it done. It's it's an extra confidence of I don't need it, and I'm going to prove it. Which again, you got to have bo- like again, you got to have that kind of confidence making a Bond film, because it's very easy to say now. Oh yeah, well obviously that was going to work if that was the case. And Silver even brings it up. He's like, yeah, fucking idiots. Yeah, fucking around with your fancy shit at Q yeah. Ranch, you know. But look at, but he's also, but you know, he. But then that's also contrast. And again, how good is it contrast by the fact that during his escape and his final assault on Skyfall, he's going theatrical. He's wearing like fucking hitman game disguises to get through the London Underground. Yeah. He's organized this whole arena where he can drop a train on a lot of fucking plot hole andies a lot of fucking cinema sin snot bags complain about well isn't that a plot hole how convenient that he's just lured james bond into the one spot where he's planted the explosive on the on the tube line huh first of all you don't think this motherfucker has every tube line bombed out like are you kidding me (laughs) what do you what do you think this is all down to coincidence the whole point is he's planned it the line he's had this in the planning for months is not to give an excuse for everything that's about to happen to happen. It's to let you know the gravitas of of, of who you're fighting. 
I would say that this this is the most believable and contemporary James Bond film. Uh, currently contemporary still, yes. It's yes. it's easy for us to say that now. What are we, nine years? Yeah, nine years later, it's still contemporary, at least to our modern time. Yeah. Uh the 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 and I've and I full disclosure to the audience, I've got it playing on the television behind me while we record. <laughs> and it's up to the Macau scene. And over the sort of course of it, I've noticed there's a lot of CGI in this bad boy. Like there's a lot there's, of like um, very the, selective CGI, which is really dragons. impressive. I'm not just talking about the dragon. The um I was looking specifically while we were doing our first little intro when he's following uh Patrice up to the glass room. There's like a little CGI Dan hanging onto the bottom of the elevator. Is that CGI? Yeah. Ooh, I have to pick that up. See, I, I want to go. I feel like there's uh there will be a time in the next six months where this will be in a theater somewhere, and we yeah. will go see it. We oh, should yeah. go see it. Absolutely. The, this whole this whole again the the actual production of this film we 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 won't sort of we won't want to ramble on. We don't want to make this an hour and a half or episode. So we won't no, ramble on too much. I, I don't have but that time, the, time the, either. Ultimately, no point. everyone knows it's fucking good. Just go watch it. Yeah. The end. But again, we. <laughs> but I think we've really, we've hit our spot here talking about there is so much intricacy into why every element works compared to a Casino Royale. Casino Royale, every element is working, but f- only for the purpose of making a badass adaption of this book. Yeah. Uh, Everything here is such a perfect thematic weave that it's um, it's 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 it it's it, 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 it's just there's detail everywhere you look. We've proved it. I We're really love that sequence. It. Yeah, I really love that sequence in um, before Macau. Yeah, in the in that elevator in that um in that yeah. building in Shanghai, in that empty yeah. office building. Yeah. That's, I was trying not to I gush about that. it as we were talking. Yeah, I I think that it, I I I don't know. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out. I'm gonna ask because I haven't heard I haven't heard them talk about Skyfall a lot on the podcast. I'm gonna reach no. out. I'm gonna send them an email. We're like, hey, yeah. what was the trickiest uh, sequence to shoot? Because is it Shanghai? Was yeah. it all that glass and the color and all that shit? Yeah, because I think that that is quite yeah. like. That's kind of a, you know, if you know, you know. I actually yeah. feel like that that would have been really difficult to nail. Yeah. The framing to make sure that there's that, there's the, where you've got to be able to identify yeah. the, the the characters yeah. there sometimes, but not all the time. Yeah. And where do you strike that balance? Whereas, you know, it's relatively simple to just say, yeah. cool, here's a, here's a, here's an Aston Martin DB5 driving through the Scottish Highlands. Ex- like, exactly. Cool. Exactly. I know. Wasn't that you rad. could drop a camera. You could drop yep. a camera there, and it'd look great. Like, yeah, you can matter. figure out a way. It's true because the thing about that whole sequence is, and you've got to wonder who came up with it. Was that a writing thing? Was it a? Because it's such a perfect, and I mean fucking perfect, thematic visual representation of the theme. They're literally Bond is literally trying to hide behind walls of glass mm. that have light obscured onto them. It ties into that whole speech that M gives in the hearing about, you know, you say we live in a golden age of espionage. Uh, you say everybody's in the shadows. Bitch, it's more opaque. Nothing more gets more opaque than glass walls. Jesus. And the whole visual language of how he's opening certain doors to hide. He's trying to pay attention to what Patrice is doing, the assassination of this person, trying to take info of who's this woman. How does this tie into the to the list being decrypted? All of this while he's got to hide behind fucking glass. Have you ever yeah. tried to hide behind glass, Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
only Bond yeah. could do it. And only Bond does do it. And then they have that whole iconic Look, I did fight fall, scene with I did no fall light. Through, I did fall through a skylight once. Really? <laughs> really? Sky, it's very Bondian of you. Yeah, you, you sky fell. Sky <laughs> sky fell. You sky fell. <laughs> I didn't just, that's not just a bit. Like, yeah. I, 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 that actually did happen. But I believed no, I'm it. So that's glad a, that I didn't think it was payoff. a bit first up. I did no, believe it. No, it wasn't a bit. I mean, it was a bit, but it wasn't. Like, it is true. Yeah. But um, so I, lo- I love that. Like, everything seems to go. There's there's no, like, place yeah. that I, like, yeah. I, actually, you know what? I'd argue that there's a good sense of, oh, I just want to spend a bit more time there. Yeah. In a few of those places. Yeah. Macau. I'd yeah. like to see a bit more of that. Like, I know that that's yeah. just clean and that's yeah. beautiful and it achieves various things. It achieves yeah. him meeting... um what's her name and then the develops the yeah. the relationship with him and money penny where yeah she's tagging along and he's they like get- fuck off i'm gonna jump my thing in your drink <laughs> like, that's great fucking thank goodness <laughs> you brought great. up money penny because i want to set this up for next week too what a good reveal of showing us a character i remember i remember and i can get to say this about the bond franchise now i remember the discourse before the film came out of mm. naomi harris playing a character named eve and we were all like Okay, so she's a young in the field agent, but it says that she's close to MI6. So is this a bait and switch? Could she be the new money penny? Yeah. And then throughout the film, and then I remember watching throughout the film, and I want to, and I, and I forgot to mention this in the intro, but I I saw this film five times in the cinema. Still currently my record of films I've seen the most times in the cinema. A record you bitch you better believe I will break in two weeks' time. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking see this thing six six days in a row. <laughs> I don't care if I hate it. I <laughs> I think I might actually do that as well. I'm gonna, might, you know what? I feel like I feel like gonna walk out of the cinema and be like, cool, let's buy it. What's the most time? What's the most what's the what's the film you've seen the most times in a theater? Um it could possibly be a Star Wars film. Uh, probably. Um, Last Jedi came close. I saw Last Jedi four times in the theater. Yeah, I saw it twice. Yeah, break your record. Just go see. Just go see No Time to Die three times in the theater. Break your record so that you can say that. Okay, just so I can say I did it. But um, right. d- but no. So uh, fuck. I I remember the discourse, but I remember watching the film opening night, and that whole first scene with Money Penny or Eve, Eve Naomi Harris. She does such a good job where I forgot that was even the discourse watching that scene take place because she's so a part of it. She's so involved and she's not, she does this thing about, I've talked about how, and we'll, we have to have this conversation before we end the episode about Bond and women. Uh, she, I, I've always thought that it's in the character that Ian Fleming written that Bond doesn't necessarily hate women. He doesn't like people who are, ineffective or who are you know less effective than him and it's been unfortunate that in the most cases women are written to be less effective than him but skyfall does this beautiful thing about how she is she is perfectly as part of the team she's not ineffective she's bond clearly respects her as an equal he just recognizes everybody involved recognizes the scenario that they were in, especially after the fact when they're talking about it and she's apologizing for shooting him. Well, yeah, because He's... the person who said do it is him. I know. And she said, I, I don't have a shot. I don't have a clean shot. I know she said it and he heard it. She he had a it. microphone in. He yeah. heard that entire conversation. He just obviously couldn't respond because he was in a fist fight on top of a train running through Istanbul. 
you know, just just Bond things. Um, but there's that beautiful conversation where he de- he responds with, "I mean, in your defense, it is harder to hit a moving target." And then mm-hmm. she has that, "Well, you'd better keep moving." And then in my head, I went, "Oh, that's money, Penny. That's money, Penny, because only those two have that rapport." And then when it pays off in the last scene, rapport. <laughs> I can. F- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Morgan. I just knew someone else would mention it, so I thought. I <laughs> yeah, had to. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, you speak for the people. I'm being safe for you. I'm, I'm, they have that 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 reveal you down at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that reveal at the end is is if it wasn't so well set up, I'd think I still think it's kind of cringy in its delivery, and it's kind of like okay, we we get it, but it works because she's so well set up. Yeah, and I will very much complain about a character who is known not being set up as efficiently, and complain about it next week. But <laughs> a very important conversation we have to have. Uh, I, see, I knew you were going to bring this up. It's I, literally I about, about to, to play. Bring. It's about to play on the film right now. Because here's the thing, and I will. Here's the thing, because I was thinking. I've been thinking about this a lot in the shower. <laughs> yeah, it's happening right now. I'm watching it. He's it's happening he's, right now. She's, she's, yep, rubbing shampoo out of her hair. Someone's walking in. Here's the thing. She said, I know your previous argument um, about this is that this is problematic. And I think that it's okay to have that argument. Yep. Sorry. I think it's okay to have that argument. (laughs) Yep. But here's the thing. She says, Mm -hmm. you've got one hour. Yeah. Otherwise the boat's gone. Yeah. And she leaves out a bottle of what I assume is Bollinger. Yeah. With two glasses. Yeah. Now, is this potentially a problematic scene? I can't argue that it's not potentially a problematic I, scene. I, I, I argue but that. But I do think that there's more credence to the fact that this could be fine than you're giving it credit for no, because I, of those little clues. I agree. Notes. She wants him to come. She's I agree. Got the two bottles, she's got the two glasses. She's told him exactly where to go and exactly by what time he needs to be there. I agree. And My, I reckon that if we're, if, we're, if we're allowing ourselves to be in the suspension of disbelief of the Bond fantasy world, yeah. she knows he's going to make it. I listen. I do not have a problem with the context of the scene, uh, with the with the way, with the written way, the with the concept of the scene. She wants to fuck Bond. That's clear, right? Like you said, the evidence is there, and Bond, you know, Bond's pretty good at fucking, so he's probably wants to do that. But and I and you heard me wince during his monologue then because I saw it. There's just I can't the context earlier of setup of. You lit the woman, ma'am. You have this tattoo. You belong to the. You used to belong to the sex trade until he supposedly, until he being silver, got you out. And she's like, "Well, that's my history. That's sure." And then cutting to the boat when she's in the shower, she's not facing him. Bond just approaches from behind, and you can see it. This is a this is then this is the thing. There's a direction here. More so than more so than I've ever really thought. The the direction was to do so. She makes this face of pure fear at the pure moment of she like braces herself. She's an abused woman. She's been abused by multiple people, Silver included. She makes this face that upsets me deeply to my core, where she braces herself for more abuse, and it isn't until she hears Bond go. 
um, I think I preferred you with your Beretta on. And then she lets her guard down and goes, I feel naked without it, right? Just that approach in that moment just slaps me in the face with like an upsetting realism that I think would also do the same for a lot of other people. I think, I think I'm not a, fair, a victim of I abuse. I think that's a fair comment. Yeah, I'm not a victim of abuse. I cannot claim that that is the sole reason, but I can only imagine that if that's coming across to me, a, a straight white male, I can't imagine what that would do to other people who have been in scenarios like that. And I just think that is such a strange decision for this film. Uh, it is. It is such a... It's a Bond movie. And there should be elements of fantasy, but there should be a realism to it. But that almost feels to me too real and too too dark. Because if we look at instances of abuse, i.g. License to Kill, at no point does Bond perpetuate that. He neglects it. There's there's that conversation specifically between him, uh, Timothy Dalton and Talise Soto on the boat on the wave crest where she sort of shrugs it off. Like she's in that, in that victim state where she, she's like, Oh, it's fine. It's just, don't worry about it. And Bond clearly goes, no, that's abuse. And that should be dealt with. I've just, you know, got to go get revenge. Cause they just harpoon Sharky. And I feel bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just that, that decision in this moment, in this film, what is otherwise incomplete, a total celebration and a total reevaluation of the James Bond formula. That has always struck me as, as as such a strange inclusion. Why not have her come out of the shower and he's like sitting there with the champagne and like that's too that's too Roger Moore. But yeah, but is it isn't it better than the alternative? Yeah, I don't know. I have I, if, I, if, if, yeah, it feel I, this feels too Sean Connery where I don't feel comfortable watching that one bit. I'm I'm not gonna fight for the scene because no. I think your argument's totally yeah. valid. And, and it's not our place to to champion for that directly. No, we're just making sure that we're aware of it. I'm just wanting to say that I think when you initially brought that up with me, when we've yeah. talk, talked about this film in the past, you were like, yeah. this, and I'm like, oh, but yeah. everything's there. You know what I, <laughs> you know what, <laughs> you know what I really think about? And this is the last anecdote I'll, I'll have on the film is that in year, when I was in year 12, my year 11 and 12 drama teacher, shout out to Miss Stokes Chapman. If you're listening, probably not, but you never know. Um, my, one of my absolutely my favorite teacher I've ever had both in high school and university she is the greatest and I remember when I was doing film for my HSC a lot of films she recommended she's a big fan of Sam Mendes's films specifically American Beauty I'd love to know how she feels about it now post Spacey Gate yeah, um but I remember her saying you know obviously she's probably she's not a Bond fan and so this was obviously around the time Spectre was coming out. So I had Bond on the brain. And I remember saying, oh, well, you really like Sam Mendes' films. You might like Spectre. It is a much more theme. Even then, I, I, even though I probably couldn't have said it as eloquently, I knew even then it was a much more thematically resonant film than Quantum of Solace or Casino Royale or literally almost any other Bond film. And she said, like ages ago, she didn't go you out and Skyfall. watch it. You said Spectre. You mean Skyfall. Well, Spectre was coming out, and so I was talking up oh, Skyfall. Was coming out. Co- yeah, okay, this is in 2015. Yeah. Spectre is coming oh, yeah, out. Yeah. I've got Bond of the Brain. But I, I said to her, you know, I think you'd like Skyfall because it, it is much more thematically resonant. And, you know, after some time passes, she comes to me one day and she goes, you know, I, st- I saw that movie Skyfall on television, and I, I started to watch it because I remember you, you recommended it very strongly. 
And she was in for the first part. She obviously thought, you know, the first bit was plenty action-packed. Big fan of Judy Dench, and she was like, oh, there's that fantastic, you know, Judy Dench is quite good in that opening. Um, she got to that scene where uh, Judy Dench is in Mallory's office for the first time, and she says, you know, that Mallory's saying politely, we're going to force you to retire, so you got to start thinking about how to do that properly. And she goes, to hell with dignity, I'll leave with the jobs done. Which is, you know, thematically clear to us as Bond fans as to the, the the sort of the role of Judy Dench's M specifically over her all of her films, Daniel mm. and Pierce included, but maybe not to a casual audience. And then she says, and then she got to the scene of Bond being drunk in Cuba and, and fucking some random woman and being a sad drunk. And she was like, ah, it just, it's not for me. And she turned it off. And I always felt a little saddened by that, that she wouldn't give the film a rest of a shot. Because I know if she got to some of those Judy Dench, Daniel Craig scenes, she'd have been in and she would have appreciated it. Totally. But I also think, fuck, she would not have anything good to say about that boat scene. Well, and, you know, and the subsequent scene, because yet again, yeah, yet again, James oh, has had to use a woman to get to the big bad. And it's in between. Cost. I and mean, it's, it's brutal. This is the most brutal. I know. It hasn't happened yet. I'm in the middle of the monologue just for those keeping up with the where I am in the watch during the record. I mean, but, but, and how good is that? And how good yeah. is how good is what makes you think that this is my first time? I'm ah. literally, it's happening. He's touching chest. He's touching ah. chest. Um, So good. It's so great. But then again, yeah, you cut to this poor fucking scene where it's like, <sighs> again, I, I, I think. Try this, not to kill her. I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, well, there it I is. I know. Another another and bag. it's and it's just like it's it's such an importantly resonant scene because it's you can see it daniel's doing a great bit of what i call subtext acting where if you know what you're looking for you can see the emotions of daniel craig's relationship to women running through his head you can see that on him if you know what you're looking for and then yeah silver just shoots her and then he gets a one-liner that leads into a gunfight and it's just a little too whoa 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 nelly that's Great for the pacing of a film, but again, it, it, not enough of a detriment. It's just that unfortunate matter of like, yeah, that's the that's just the that's the world that this is. James Bond has yet again unfairly, exceptionally unfairly, got another woman killed, and that's right. and you know maybe she would have been killed regardless, but it's still super unfair. And I mean. In isolation, there's an because it's not in isolation, but in isolation, there's yeah. the argument that she's she's played her hand. Yeah, exactly. She's, she said, "Come on the boat, I'll take yeah. you to him," and yeah. and knows what that means probably. Yeah. yeah, she could have. Yeah, she could have just not engaged with him once he got to Macau. He gave his whole speech about being able to. She believes in that James Bond confidence, which pays off but she doesn't get to live to find out. No. And I don't know. maybe she knows she won't, but yeah. And in I a moment know. of, and, and uh, I think, know, again, I'm not excusing yeah. it. No, anything. no, 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 no. I, we, yeah, no, but we it's not also like, anything. this is James Bond. This is what yeah. James Bond does. Yeah. It, it's uh, yeah. The only thing is there are a lot of, there are James Bond moments. Specifically. I'm thinking about the end of Casino Royale and the end of on her Majesty's secret service. 
where we're as an audience meant to feel the 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 sadness and the shame of what James so Bond was we're, that we're done allowed to, to feel that we're given the space to yeah. feel that yeah to understand that he's yeah. feeling that yeah. instead of bang, we got to keep bang, the quick, train quick, moving quick. let's go we got to keep the yeah. train moving sorry we're taking you to England buddy we're gonna lock you up in a cage so we can look at your golem face bud yeah <laughs> all right to end on a lighter note. <laughs> I've had anybody, any any fans of the show who follow me on Twitter know that I've been chronicling the sleeps to go through obscure and sometimes disturbing tweets, and I've had one in the drafts. For, I mean, it's not it's not exactly Christmas, but it's no. <laughs> I've had I've had I've had a tweet in the drafts for two weeks that is just XX days to go. Do we think Ralph Silver gives good head? <laughs> wow, it's. <laughs> It's funny, but it's a deranged tweet. It's That's a deranged a tweet. That is dangerous. And I know it's been, and it's, and I think it may continue to sit in the drafts unless you know, in a week's time, when I'm really, I've gone mad because I'm waiting for this one fucking movie. <sighs> Who knows? But you know, that that freaked me out. Uh, maybe to change my end on an actual lighter note. Do you remember seeing this in the theater? Yeah. I have two memories from my from my first screening, specifically. Because every other time I saw this movie in the theater, it was just like, yeah, this shit is sick. But I remember specifically my sister approaching me after the, the first screening going, when he pulled his teeth out, that was disgusting. I had to yeah, look that away. Was, that was horrific. What a good I think horrific. that's one of the best villain scenes in oh. the front in cinema i know i would say it's 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 a great moment of horror because not only Bond does he film. get that monologue which and we got to go back to deacons yeah the way that's shot that opening yeah that's perfectly yeah. fixed yeah. point perspective yeah. symmetrical put them on with fucking, all the servers put them and then on he comes down yeah. in the elevator yeah. and then it just cuts in walks straight up to him put them on it's literally putting them on equal footing and having them approach like I can't think of many villain introductions that are as super effective as that, purely because it's just this is the guy. There's no trickery. There's no. There's a little bit of theatricality, but this is the guy. As you compare, yeah, and it it's to also like, and it's also the hmm. guy with his the tools that yeah. he's you know yeah. he's got goons. Everyone's got fucking goons. Yeah, but this like, guy's using the computer, yeah. using the internet to manipulate yep. the world. Yep. Basically, like, and, and like to hack into yeah. shit, and he's like, "Cool, yeah. he, here it is. I'm, I'm smart. I'm yeah. using computers." Yeah, and this and to go back, like if we think about other villains getting introduced, like Lashif just gets out of a jeep. Dominic Green is just like stamping some taxes. Yeah, uh, that's a uh, uh, Sean Bean is guy. like in the opening, but he's just like a a, a friend. Uh, uh, Goldfinger no, is fucking just playing cards at a, a vi- table. No, but he's not a villain yet. He's a villain no. When he's well, even his this. villain introduction, his villain introduction is 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 good it's because of the, the set. It's yeah, set. But it's great. like, like it's Goldfinger, awesome. <laughs> like Goldfinger is playing cards at a table. <laughs> like all these iconic villains, they get cool introductions, but like that one is really stick in the mind, not just because of its immediacy, but because of its its framing. Mm. But the memory I had of the cinema, my sister said that to me about being scared about when he pulled his teeth out. And I said, yeah, I got so scared. And I closed my eyes when they blew up the DB five. I don't want to see that. <laughs> I still don't think I can watch that scene to this day. Sometimes I still just close my eyes. Cause I'm like, I don't need to see this. <laughs> I need to see this torture. 
Well, I'll tell you what you do need to see. You do need to see this film if you haven't already. I can't imagine you listening to this podcast and having not seen this film. I can understand not having seen many other James Bond films. Many. <coughs> but this this one is this one is the highest grossing. I'm, this is I'm glad we got this because it's uh yeah. it's a true it's a true um piece of the cinema. the best the best 50th birthday party I've ever been to. Right. What we are going to do is wrap this up and yep. we will see you next week for Spectre. Yeah. And hopefully in a couple of weeks we will be finishing this and then we will be taking a break, I think, over yeah. a couple of months. We will yeah. return. We're going to do a well, – we're gonna, what are you going to do? We're going to do the summer Nolstice. The Nolstice. we got to come back for the Nolstice, baby. Going to do the um, – what do we have to do? We have to do the Dark the Fire Rises. Rises. The, the Fire Rises. Yep. And then we can, just compare it to mean the girls, like, and we can just compare it <laughs> yes. to Mean Girls like we did the other, like we yes. did vice versa. Yes. Yeah, yes. dear. Beautiful. <laughs> but no, there's two weeks to go left. Next week you will hear our Spectre episode, and then the week after that we will record a No Time to Die episode. Oh, sorry, I got very excited just saying that. Just saying. We get to film a No Time to Die episode. What's that, Dom? Say it again. Say it again. Oh, no time to die episode. Oh, oh boy. My name is. Uh, I'm. I'm over the bit. I'm. I'm. My name's Morgan Roberts. And yeah, my name's Fitzgerald. <laughs> Dominic Fitzgerald. I'll never fucking get tired of saying that. <laughs> <laughs>